Before we start, um, I can't find my phone. If anybody finds it, let me know. You can't call it, it just is, it's, it's silent. If you press the screen, it's going to have a sailboat on it. It's here somewhere. I'm not too worried. It's a public service announcement for me. Thank you. Um, we are getting ready or getting around this series that we're doing. It'll go all the way to the end of uh, July about the fruit of the Spirit. But we're starting uh, to uh, you know, get the context of that, not diving right into the fruit. This is the third of these of five. So we have two left. We've already had two the middle. We're thinking about the activities that we do, the, the actions that we perform, but how those flow out of our, our person, out of who we are. So doing and being, even being and becoming, right? A, a while back, Julie and I signed up for this um, vitamin pack. You know, they send you and you open it up every day and, and they want to know what vitamins that you get. She still does it. But whenever we, we signed up, they asked, you know, asked you a lot of questions. What, what are you interested in? What do you need? And one of the questions I, I, I just didn't expect really was, how much fruit do you eat a day? How much fruit do you eat a week? And I pretty much had to say zero. I don't really ever grab an apple. I don't really eat grapes. I will eat some of this on a salad. I've, I've progressed to that level. I, I'm not anti-fruit. I do not like bananas. I really do like fresh pineapples. So that, that one is a go-to for sure. Um, but, you know, I was expecting more proteins and bread and lactose, and I think they asked all that too. But I'd be more healthy, I think, if I incorporated that in. And even just this week, I was thinking about this. I went to yoga and I got a fruit smoothie just to prove that I can. It was good. So we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, but often we think a little bit like me. We're adding this in to a healthy Christian lifestyle. I would do better as a Christian if I loved, added in love, you know, sprinkle on top. A little of this extra powder to, for health, um, like a smoothie. We want to add in spiritual practices just like we do physical practices. But what we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit comes out of a life in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit isn't producing the life. Okay? A lot of times we think that. Um, we think that the church or Christianity is really tips and tricks to shore up our morals or our virtue. Sometimes we think Christianity or church is this overarching ethical system only. Or it's this social construct to get us to do things. Or, or it's a power struggle for control. And we, we hear this, not just in the fruit of the Spirit, but these morals that we're supposed to be good people. Be a good Christian person. Be a good citizen. Be a good church member. But that's life on our own power. We, we've, we've been talking about this the last 
few weeks. But, but the, actually, the Christian life is the fruit of God's work. It, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit being in you. And so, so the Christian life and, and these things are not the new law, but they're the resurrection life of Jesus at work in you applied to our dead souls apart from God. Now if you look at our text in, in Romans 8, you can see a couple of these contrasts then. And we've been noticing it's not all good once you become a Christian. The fruit of the Spirit come out, but it's a little messy. It hopefully develops over time. That's the way sanctification works. In verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. you got this law, flesh, spirit, tension. Verse 5, similar, says... For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, this is really an attention. It's either or. If you're going this way, it's like this. And if you're going this way, it's like this. The Christian life is one that's animated, sustained, enriched, directed by the Holy Spirit. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 1. This is a reminder of this principle that God gives life. There is no life apart from God. God created the heavens and the earth. We don't know how long that took. We don't really know exactly the method, but He spoke it into being, and it came into being. Remember we just sang about the potentate of time, which is I'd like to be the potentate of anything. <laughs> but the po- what do we say? He's the creator of the rolling spheres, and he's ineffably sublime. Look that up, right? Uh, that's amazing. That's a great verse. Uh, way to go, guys who wrote that. Um, so, so God creates, he, he puts this form, and then he fills that form with the thing. And so as at the very end of all that creation, that he, all he made, he then puts people in, Adam and Eve, to, to tend the garden, to be fruitful and multiply. That's not only just children, although it certainly does involve that, but to make things, places and uh, beauty and inventions. And so out of their love and community, become, there comes more things. We talked about with the, the fruit or the vegetables that have seeds inside of them, and then it exponentially grows. But Adam and Eve wanted the fruit without God. And so they took the fruit. A little bit of a you know, metaphor here then would be any time you pick a fruit or cut a flower, what starts happening? It's dying. It's no longer connected to the vine. And so in a, in a metaphor, when they picked that fruit that they weren't supposed to take and eat, when they disobeyed God and wanted that thing apart from God Himself, 
They plunged us into death and misery, ruin and destruction, and we follow their paths, right? We can look, all look around at the death and destruction and the sin and the misery. You can go to the graveyards. You can watch the news already, you know, even just in the last week, these buffalo shootings. The, of course, the virus, the neglect of people, the war that's happening right now. And we know this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's like this big flashing intruder alert, intruder alert, intruder alert. Sin has entered the system. And so we live in and around sin and death. We were supposed to live with God, find ourselves in Him, not to find ourselves in ourselves, in the world, in the stuff, even in others. All of life is supposed to be God's. And we're called to, to cultivate the garden that He has given us. And anything apart from Him rots and dies. That's what it says in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. What does Romans 6 say? The wages of sin is death. Now, you know, uh, there are such great parts of our world, beauty, goodness, kindness. Um, I saw a t-shirt yesterday and it just said, try hard to be less awful. <laughs> it's like a low bar, right? Can we live in this thing where we see these good parts and we're around these bad parts? Sometimes we even get, we get numb to it. You go back to Adam and Eve. When this happened, Adam blames Eve. The snake, the serpent, wins the day, creates doubt in God's goodness, in His sovereignty, in His will, and they take this fruit and creation groans. Our work has toil and thorns. Bringing life into the world involves pain and suffering. And you can just see almost instantly, all right? Cain kills Abel. You, you start seeing these wars, the oppression, the abuse, even the self-righteousness, all tracing back to this. So I was thinking today, maybe kids, if you're paying attention, sometime, uh, just do this one time only. This only one time only, and not today. Just when, when your parents least suspect it. When they say, why did you do that thing that was wrong? You can say, it's Adam's fault. I'm just saying, one time, I think you'll get a smile. Maybe you'll get off the hook on that one time only. That's sort of true, right? We come from that lineage. We become dead to God, dead to each other, even inside ourselves. And when that happens, when you walk up to a, a casket or, or walk around in a graveyard, or try to go to a morgue, I don't think I would do that, but and you try to talk to the people. Hey, come to life. 
come to life. It doesn't work. The dead cannot follow instruction. We can't just fix this up. In our sin, we, we think we can. All around us, we have these tricks to fix ourselves, you know, to, to have more willpower to fix that bad habit, to, to download that new map, to put on that blocker, none of which is wrong. These are, these are very good. But, but then we think we're going to get more education or, or take a manners class so we can participate in society politely or, or sign up for that Dame's, Dave Ramsey class so we can get our finances in order or we decide to just do a whole makeover Hire a personal trainer, change our diet. I have a, a, a very dear cousin who spent the last 15 years in D.C. Whoa, right? The traffic is insane. The stress level on her life. And then during COVID, not being around anyone, and her health is deteriorating. She's in early 50s. She decided to pick up, because she can work remotely, and moved to rural Michigan, bought a farm on three acres, and is now raising chickens. Now, is that less stressful? Comparatively, for sure. But that's a like, radical life change, which, which I think is great. It's going to certainly help. But if the problem is death, not just sickness, it's a whole other thing. What do dead people need? Resurrection, right? That's, that's all they got. The only hope for the dead is to be made alive by someone else outside of yourself. You cannot accomplish that on your own. So now the good news is, because that's pretty lousy news, right? The good news is God does just that. We serve a God, or if you're not understanding this or not tracking, you can get this today. He condemns him in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What's amazing about this Romans 8? text is really a Christmas text, right here in Easter time, because what Paul is saying is that God sent his son Jesus, who entered the world, who entered into a broken world of misery, suffering, dying, bruising, and he lived under that law, which means he suffered, he was broken, he was bruised. In fact, he was crushed, stricken, smitten, and afflicted, dying on a a tree. Even though Jesus lived the fruit of the Spirit perfectly, he was love, he was goodness. He was faithfulness. Even though Jesus was a part of that trinity that created the universe, The giver of life. Our world wanted him dead. 
right? So he heard, I mean, he heard good stuff. People followed him. People saw him almost rarely, never perfectly clearly, but a lot of people gave him what hateful words. They were loveless hearts. They approached him with envy, anger, hatred, malices, in fact enough so that he was put and hung on a cross. He willingly went. Purposely, lovingly, generously, sacrificially. I've made this point a few times already in my short time here that if that's it, the story ends there. There's a lot of interesting people in the world. Of course. Queen Elizabeth is in the news all the time. She's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> I don't even want to make jokes about her. And that's saying something, right? Um, we're watching The Crown because we care about all these people. And, and Queen Elizabeth is like the star of the show. But, you know, like, then we get Diana, Princess Diana, a tragic death, but also inspiring. She inspired a lot of you. You know, interestingly, um, Princess Diana, they, she had a good relationship, a, a pr- sort of tight relationship with Mother Teresa. Remember that? And then they died six days apart. Another inspiring person. I mean, Mother Teresa, she's top of the heap. A sort of an aside, interesting, is uh, on November 22, 1963, C.S. Lewis, JFK, and Aldous Huxley all died on the same day. Two of those, I think, are inspiring people. Um, you can pick whichever two you want. So, you know, there's famous dead people we still talk about. And Jesus would definitely get in that category, except for what? This important fact we talked about on this Easter. I press this upon you, and I will a lot. When you have doubts, and you will, you come back to this right here. Verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead... Okay, did Jesus raise from the dead? That's important. If that happened... If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if you are connected to Christ by faith, it's not just I understand that this happened, right? I intellectually accept. Sometimes we we think Christianity is a list of facts that you sign your name in the bottom to. No, it's way more like a marriage where you're giving, it's like, ah, okay, I'm taking a risk here. If Jesus dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen? That's the deal. That's what changes this stuff from being a list of do's and don'ts. Now, it doesn't mean, hey, if he dwells in you, do whatever you want. Who cares? That's not the same thing. But we are united 
to Christ. And so then we relate to him not based on the law, fulfilling it or not fulfilling it, either one. We don't relate to him based on our sin, death, disobedience, or our obedience. We don't, we don't come to him solely by our class, or, or our race, or our gender, or our sexuality, or our successes, right, or vocations. Jesus doesn't wipe all that away. He's, he doesn't say, stop talking about it, never discuss any of these issues. No, but they become secondary instead of primary. We come to him based on the work and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are united to him based on his work and the spirit in us. This is why 8.1 is so important. I've asked you to memorize one and two word verses. This would be a great one to put in that mix, right? You could advance farther from Jesus wept. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, there may still be consequences, but not condemnation, not from God. Jesus took the condemnation, and he was vindicated by the resurrection. And so you receive what he did. You give to him what you did. You receive what he did, which is his saving rescuing love. Jesus became our, our representative. Not just like he goes to D.C. and votes for you. No, he fulfills all the things. All of the things we didn't do that we should have. All the things that we didn't do that we should have. He takes all that judgment. He, he takes all those things. Like things you knew you did wrong, but also there's stuff in there you haven't even figured out yet. There's overt racism and there's like systemic. Or like you didn't even know that that was in there. It's just the way we got brought up. That, that un, unresisted materialism for, for all of us in this room who are in the top, easily top 1% of the world. I mean, no question. The sexism that, that we see and participate in or, or get on us, the hatreds, the big ones and the small ones, the greediness, the foolishness, the shame, the guilt, because the fruit of the Spirit comes out of a resurrected life. Only by the power of of God. And, and when that happens to you, you enter into this love relationship with God. You're not just tolerated. Not just allowed in the room. No, you are adopted. You become the bride of Christ. You, you then walk in a new life, in a new power. And so we set our actions, thoughts, feelings even, on the Spirit of God. What we were doing gets bent back toward God. Recast, reshaped. I, I really like weddings. I've done a lot of weddings. You know, when you're a college pastor, you do a lot of weddings. I've probably done 80. 
And uh, um, I really love wedding receptions. The bigger, the better. But the COVID weddings have been pretty nice too. You know, you just eliminate all the practice. Everyone's sort of chill and happy to be there. And I don't have to sit next to a crazy aunt for two hours or whatever. But every time there's this husband and wife, you know, God's total plan for marriage is a husband and wife make covenant to each other. And I'll stand there, and among the other things that happen, and it is really cool because it's, it's just words. Right? And it really happens in a minute. Everything before that minute, they're not married. But once they say those, you did it. Um, and I'll say, you now are picturing to the world God's love for his bride. It's an imperfect picture. But it is. It's not a slave-master relationship. I mean, it's certainly a partly a parent-child, but then he goes way another step into intimacy. And I'll say, you know, you, you've now, because you're doing this, assuming you weren't forced, forced you have died to things. You've died to an old life, maybe a name, uh, but definitely to free time that you could do whatever you wanted, or you've died to a schedule in some sense. You've died to every other person. Nobody else is now available to you. And you have made a covenantal relationship. And that's where life is. In the picture. You don't have to say you ought to be married, right? Because the power of God dwells in you. And that brings out fruit. Because God is the creator and the recreator. Because we mess this up. And I think I made this point on Easter. When Jesus, when Mary saw Jesus resurrected, remember, he came back to the tomb, but she didn't recognize him. And she thought he was a gardener. Tending the lilies. The picture of, of the church. My son Drew took the year off last, the year before this one, and during the fall he worked at an apple orchard in Ithaca, and so he learned a lot about apples, how to pick them, how to sort them, and he was telling me about this like one woman who did this every fall, and she was the best. She's like in the Hall of Fame, the greatest of all time apple picker, which is a weird category to be the best in, but you know, it's the best of everything. And then he would bring us these apples, and you know they weren't apples that you that you would get because what's happened, you know, in America, if if you go to the grocery store, there's six, eight, ten kinds of apples, right? In in the U.S., there's about a hundred that you can get because of the the standardization process, the the industrialization. This is true from really the 40s on, if you create these machines that pick these themselves, the, the, the apples, tomatoes, whatever's got to be a certain size. And so that eliminates heirloom tomatoes can't go through that process. Someone's got to pick those. Well, then you can't put them in paste as much and you can't do all that stuff. Well, so, you know, there are 7,500 species of apples in the world. The 
God's garden, Jesus tending this garden is a, a big, huge thing. He's not squeezing us all into cans. He's tending it and letting you show Christ by you. The Spirit invigorates that, that in you. The Garden of Eden becomes the city of God. As we set our mind on Him then, we still sin, but we get healthier. Um, Jeannie's here, Julie's mom. My kids call her Graham. And Graham had this thing for a while. It was like Jamba Juice only. Like anytime there was a um, birthday or Christmas, it would be Jamba Juice gift card. Well, let me tell you two little quick stories about a couple of things I'm not super pumped about. Uh, when I was doing RUF, we started 9 o'clock p.m. That was because the parking lots became unmonitored and free. So we'd start really at 9.15. So that meant when I would get home at like 11.30 maybe. So I, would, uh, I was getting tireder. We had little kids. And so I'd take a Red Bull at about 8.30. Well, so when 11.30 came around, this guy wasn't tired. So um, along with, you know, watching some Seinfeld and Mad About You reruns, I would sit in front of these very edifying shows, of course, and, and eat a whole box of Cheez-Its. Hmm. That's not awesome. One that's a tiny bit less disgusting, more tasty, but also not amazing, would be we went through like a pretty serious Ben and Jerry's phase not too long ago. But it wasn't like some, it was a whole tub. There were tiny tubs, right? Come on. The calories in that thing is crazy. Ugh. Okay, so what I really needed was Jamba Juice. Graham was right. It was so much better. What I'm trying to say is we fill our lives with these things. That's my little imagery of living according to the flesh instead of living according to the health, the resurrection power of the Spirit, putting into you and coming out to you things that are healthy because Jesus gives us life. He's the vitality. It's not doing this stuff. It's being united to Him. What the text says, it's the Spirit alive in you. The text says, the Spirit is life. The text says, the Spirit of God dwells in you. May that be true for all of us today. Amen.